2: Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks in a move. I'm Corey Johnson with episode number 159. Well, just ahead, fact set research shows some perhaps surprisingly strong results despite the downturn on Wall Street. And Carnival Cruise Lines, does it have the groove back? People are getting back on the boat, but will it continue? And how about software profits with a car wash? That's right, we're gonna to talk to the CEO of a company called Mr. Car Wash, a business with fantastic margins, just like the software business.
0: You'll be surprised, but first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight ever. With Era, customize your company watch list and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy to use, customizable interface. That's Era. A-I-E-R-A dot com. And we're so glad you're listening to the Drill Down Podcast. We would hate
2: for you to miss any of our episodes. You can avoid that by clicking the subscribe button or the follow button, depending on the app that you are using to listen to podcasts. That way you'll
0: catch every show and the drill down is brought to you by brain trust a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands brain trust has helped clients like bank of america goldman sachs porsche under armor and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost visit braintrust.com that's b-r-a-i-n-t-r-u-s-t.com to learn more right i'm corey johnson welcome to the drill down
2: podcast we are as you've noticed back from our little summer break we're glad to have you with us Isaac Webster joins me. He is our executive producer and uh, Isaac, thanks uh, for helping me get through these stocks to drill down on. Well, Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? Let's start with FactSet Research Systems. Uh, do you know, do you know FactSet at all? I know, you know, obviously we were Bloomberg employees for uh, you and I were for a while. Um, FactSet is an important competitor to Bloomberg in providing, you know, databases and financial uh, uh, computer products for um, professional investors.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was a terminal guy for over 10 years at Bloomberg. But FactSet um, is new to me, trades under FDS, and FDS shares have risen almost 18% in a year, and shares have jumped higher in June 2022. Obviously, well outperforming the broader market. Well, anything higher
2: in June is, is outperforming the market, yes. Flat in June would outperform the market. But FactSet, you know, you would think that Wall Street would start pulling back and firing people as Trading volumes have decreased. We've seen that kind of across the board. Um, and maybe people lose interest in in casual moments on Wall Street and people lose jobs on Wall Street because performance isn't there. But no, FACSEC coming out and announcing pretty strong quarter. Um, and it was interesting from FACSEC because, again, I think that that wasn't expected. They've been interestingly adding to their offerings. And that has uh, really made a difference for them and showed up in the third quarter because of acquisitions that they did. Their revenues were up 22% from the previous year, and even if you take out um, their acquisitions, they still had a 10% increase in professional services um, on a year-over-year basis, uh, organic uh, ASV over, over year-over-year. So very impressive uh, for this company, um, and despite what was going, what's been going on in the markets, they came out and said, "Don't worry, we are going to hit the upper end of our targets for this year," um, and that's what sent the stock flying. Now. There there's a story out there among professional traders of of concern. I wouldn't go as far as to call it a short story, but there was concern they acquired the Qsip business. Do you know do you know QSIP? This is another I don't. like it's a ridiculous, archaic, seemingly archaic thing. But qsip is the company that assigns the numbers to a new stock that trades and then um distributes that number assignation to all of the places that trade stocks. So when you place a That's trade That's kind of a fun for, business to be in. I don't know, it's a weird business. Um, if you were Very to trade strange. for, I don't know, shares of Apple, um, you might put in a trade for AAPL and you wanna buy 100 AAPL, whatever. Um, but in fact, when those trades go through the, the systems, they don't go in as, as letters that you traded, they go in under a QCIP number. And that number is assigned by a private company. And that company was acquired by FactSet in the last year. So as we see fewer IPOs, we see fewer QCIPs being assigned. And therefore, we see less revenues for QSIP. So you wonder, well, FactSet, how lovely that you bought the QCIP business. That must have been a terrible decision because there will be fewer assignations of QCIP numbers because there will be fewer SPACs and fewer IPOs or whatever you want to call the IPO, you know, financial trend of our of the of the next wave, it's not happening now. The markets are closed. So, listen to what the chief financial officer had to say to kind of allay those concerns about all the revenues from the assets, the assignment of new QSIP numbers. Here is chief financial officer Linda Huber.
0: The 15% of revenues that comes from the assignment of new QSIP numbers for new securities, you're correct about that. That is not recurring revenue. The other 85% of Qsip revenues um, are, in fact, recurring. So if we do have a bit of a slowdown in capital markets activity, we may see a slight uh, trending down of that 15% of Qsips revenues. But I'm not sure that you're going to notice that overall in the total mix of the company. And um, we would expect that that would um just if capital markets um, do take a downturn. So again, that piece is pretty minor as well.
2: So she shut that down quick. Uh, I think just saying that the new QCIP number assignments is not a really big business for them, even within the QCIP business for FactSet.
0: But to be concerned about, you know, current decline in QCIP usage, if you will, I mean, it seems like a very myopic, short-sighted, Concern, Well, you know, they spent
2: $150 million, you know, uh, or, or this, this CUSIP business, I should say, has um, revenues on a year over year basis of over $150 million. You, you know, that you can see why someone might say, hey, I don't want to go in and buy a stock where, where this or, or this is not a good business decision to buy a, a business unit that does something that people don't need right now.
0: Right now, it's though, a better business to it's, sell. You know, it's always going to be something that people need. It's always going to be something that's necessary, I, right? Is it? We'll see. Um, yeah. I wish them well. Someone's got to assign those numbers. Who are FactSet's clients, customers? I uh, know Bloomberg's question. clients, customers very well, but I don't know FactSet's.
2: FactSet knows Bloomberg's customers and clients very well, and it wants them. Um And they are in the market with what is often a cheaper product offering. Um, Similar, you know, a Bloomberg customer, you might be an equity trader, but you're buying all the same bond functionality and modeling functionality and messaging functionality, all the stuff that you might not want with a Bloomberg terminal. uh, With facts that you can tailor what you want to get a little bit more and spend less money on it, Um, uh, competing business models to be sure, but really the same client base.
0: Corey, what is your next drill down? Carnival. Carnival Cruise Lines, CCL, and shares have rallied on the back of the recent quarterly report, but taking a longer view, shares have fallen almost 61% over the past 12 months and currently trading at less than half of their 52-week high. Do you remember when that cruise ship was in the San
2: Francisco Bay and there was concern that there were people on it? There were a few people on it who had COVID. There were like six people on the boat or 30 people on the boat who had COVID and we later found out that President Trump didn't want the boat to land in the, in America because then it would boost his COVID numbers by five or six cases or 10 or 20 I or remember. whatever. Yeah, that I yeah. I saw the boat because it did, in fact, eventually land uh, in uh, either Oakland or Alameda. I saw it out in the San Francisco Bay. Uh, in any case, and it was there for quite a while, um, people are coming back to cruises. People are returning to cruises. Um, and Carnival announced that they're seeing some really positive numbers uh, that that wasn't clear when this would happen, but it's starting to happen now. Um, And they talked about what they're doing in terms of their occupancy rates um, and how much the occupancy is increasing over the same time last year uh, significantly. Here is a CEO, Arnold Donald, Arnold Donald, God, I could just be able to, what a name, Arnold Donald. That's quite, I mean, Arnold Donald, interesting choice. Arnold Donald. Mr. and Mrs. Donald. Arnold Donald is the CEO and he talked about the occupancy rates and the strength they are seeing in the occupancy of cruise ships,
1: yeah you know, we, we have um, real strength in occupancy, and we had some intentionally constrained occupancy as we brought ships on back online um, because of protocols in different places and so on. Um, we also had some isolated situations where we were moving you know um, crew around temporarily as uh, we were staffing up with with crew and and uh, constrained capacity um, and for that for those reasons as well. But overall, our, uh, our, occupancy, but our occupancy rates, have, as we've shared, have, have um, really improved over time here. And, and as we mentioned, the Carnival brand is looking at 110% occupancy uh, in the third quarter. So we have more capacity sailing, and occupancy is rising nicely. And as the world um, you know, continues to relax and become comfortable managing the virus, um, and restrictions are relaxed. Um, you know, we see things moving more in the direction of the Carnival brand where things are more normalized, even though they still have some restrictions right now.
0: You know, it's it's not that surprising, though, because cruise line consumers love to go on cruises, and they're a sticky consumer base. I only know that because I'm married into a cruising family. They really? love to go on cruises, and they... You know, they took took their pauses. Uh, My in-laws, you know, they pressed pause during the pandemic, but they're back and they've been cruising already and they love it. And I know a lot of them, a lot of people like that, consumers like that, they just love going cruises. So I'm not surprised it's bouncing back. I have never been. Me neither. I've never been on a cruise, actually. I'm going to keep it that way. I'm good. Yeah, I like to go on boats. Uh, The cruise thing doesn't appeal so much to me, but... They love it. They just rave, rave, rave.
2: I have a, a friend who's uh, significantly older than me retired and his big thing every year is take like this giant expensive three-week cruise with his wife and they go all over the mm-hmm. world and they love being having the the same room as they go to all these different places and it's a favorite yeah. for his. Um, you know and you know, to your point, customers are spending money on cruises that they haven't taken another number that Carnival put out saying customer deposits. Had gone from 3.7 billion a year ago to uh, a little more than a year ago to 5.1 billion, so an increase of 1.4 billion dollars in deposits for cruises. Customers putting their money where their um, their the Lido deck will be soon.
0: <laughs> Corey, what's your next drill down? Smith & Wesson Brands. You know them well. They make Smith & Wesson guns. Oh, how, how nice for them. Uh, Smith & Wesson trades at SWBI. Shares have jumped double-digit percents uh, in June 2022 after that Supreme Court ruling that said it was okay to carry firearms in New York, despite all the mass shootings across the U.S. But over the past 12 months, SWBI shares have fallen 45%. And uh, SBBI's
2: revenues have fallen 44% over the last year. They announced quarterly earnings. Um, yes, so the stock flies on the court news because people are looking for some way to mm-hmm. trade that with the Supreme Court ruling. Um, but when they announced quarterly earnings, it happened to come right after the ruling. So the question is there, you know, what, you know, they had a big surge in gun um, uh, sales during the pandemic. And they saw a a big surge in gun usage, right? Uh, people were going to shooting ranges. People were engaged in all sorts of outdoor um, sports, um, uh, including riflery and 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 handgun use. Um but what is the business here for Smith and Wesson as it relates to concealed carry products? And what does this Supreme Court ruling mean? Um, I th- it was interesting to hear Mark Smith, the CEO of Smith Wesson, um, uh, talk about this very specifically about the ruling.
0: So just broadly on the real ruling, you know, I mean, it simply qual- um, clarifies that, you know, responsible law-abiding citizens don't need to ask the government's permission to exercise their constitutional rights. We obviously agree with this. Um, and insofar as, you know, impact to concealed carry in our products, you know, concealed carry is a pretty big portion of our market. We expect that, you know, as it expands the, the uh, access of those products to, to those law-abiding citizens that that'll have a positive impact on us. What that is,
1: probably too early to tell.
2: So yeah, Isaac, stock surges with expectations, there'll be a lot more sales, but it doesn't sound like Smith & Wesson thinks there's going to be a lot more sales um, from this ruling. Uh, And I think there's still more uh, um, uh, lawmaking to be done around this, Um, but the Supreme Court making some headlines in the stock market, not just uh, in every other section of the newspaper for those old farts like me that still read newspapers that have sections. All right, coming up next, we've got a really uh, unusual, at least to me, company that has fantastic software-like margins, Mr. Car Wash. It is a roll-up of a number of car wash companies. They're growing fast, they've got great margins. We're gonna talk about how to look at this kind of business, how they're managing this kind of business, and the great risks they took going to a subscription business model. Mr. Car Wash CEO, John Lai,
0: joins us, joins the drill down right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com, to learn more. All right, welcome back to the Drill Down podcast. We are joined right now
2: by John Lai, the CEO of Mr. Car Wash. Are you actually Mister Carwash? Is there Mister Carwash?
3: Uh, so the the brand actually was formed in 1969. There was a chain of car washes in Houston, Texas, named Mister Carwash. And when we began this journey, uh, as we were looking for what to call Mister Carwash, uh, there was three other companies that that were quickly kind of acquired to create this platform. And the team which predated me uh, elected to go with Mister because it was the uh, Largest of the three segments, and as a result, the most uh, powerful voice in the room, and and uh, the most logical, quite frankly. Uh, if it's a great gonna, name. There's a Mister yeah, Met. Why shouldn't
2: uh, there be a Mister Car Wash?
3: It's it's awesome. Yeah, we we uh, but but we've we've grown the brand through the in-store experience, and it's become you know what we believe to be a beloved, you know, somewhat legendary brand in the markets that we're in. And, uh, you know, our, our customers associate the brand with quality and speed and terrific customer service.
2: So explain to me how the business works. When I read through your financial filings, I was thinking this is going to be a fun one because I, when, when I was a financial analyst, one of the things that I would do when I was at a hedge fund was I would, I would break down how the business worked on a unit basis. And I would imagine that for your business, there is the four wall cost, right? There's a the cost of building the facility with the car washing machines. And you know literally the walls and the water and the and the roof and everything and then there's the kind of operational costs what, what does a four wall cost look like for a car wash what, is it, what what do you get for it?
3: Yeah so there's a lot of engineering there's a lot of technology that goes into building a car wash and I think it, uh, a lot of people can underestimate the amount of mechanization uh, automation chemistry etc but the systems that we use to process cars, um, and do it in a way where we as low labor as possible. Um, uh, requires some material capex, and so the total cost uh, in today's dollars of building a car wash could be north of six million dollars when you factor in the land and the construction, the land prep, uh, and then you know the FF and E. Uh, so, so it's a, a pretty material upfront capex investment. Um, but you know, when you, do look you typically at the finances, buy the land. We do, uh, but then huh. over time we'll, we'll we'll do a sale leaseback and and we'll um, uh, uh, take those proceeds and and uh, it's less cash up front as a result.
2: So then uh, ongoing costs. I mean, w- what are the ongoing costs for car wash? I would imagine water is the biggest part of it and labor. Uh, labor is the biggest part, not water. Um, and so
3: again, we have we run a low labor model where you can literally in our express exterior stores, you know, process north of 150, uh, upwards of 200 cars per hour with three people on the clock. Uh, again, because we use so much technology and, and uh, automation to process that car, uh, it's a very efficient model. Um, so our, our total labor can run um, on a percentage of revenue uh, in the high 20s, uh, low 30s, again, depending upon the volume of the store. Um, but the margin profile more specifically is very, very healthy and the four wall margins uh can range anywhere from 45% uh north of 50%, which is a beautiful business. And so when you look at our that's AUVs, a gross
2: margin, yeah, that's fantastic.
3: Yeah. Yeah, four wall, which is which is awesome. <clears throat> when you look at our AUVs and compare that to other multi-unit retail services businesses, it's a very attractive category uh where uh, today we're averaging approximately 2 million in in sales uh and then on 50% margins, um, you know, we can get uh, close to a million dollars in what we call EBITDA because we want to factor in that rent.
2: That uh, so so back explain that again. So a million dollars EBITDA in a in a is the R is the is the rent you said? Correct. And and, 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 uh, and that profit that EBITDA profit that a million dollars a year.
3: It's pretty awesome. It's fantastic.
2: It? And yeah. six million dollars. That's what, amazing.
3: Which, which is why this category is such a hot category right now. And we went from being uh, the the Rodney Dangerfields coming through the the you know the back door and not getting a lot of respect to, and it's surreal to be honest with you, to now be kind of the, I'm not gonna say we're the good looking kids in school, but we're certainly getting a lot of attention and interest. Uh, but when you have that kind of, uh, and it's not just margin profile, that is the dollar profit uh, that, that we're generating per unit. And then you multiply that times you know north of 400 locations uh becomes very very meaningful and and right now if i could just you know segue for a second services which yeah. is the space that we're in um you know consumer services specifically uh with respect to you know other consumer businesses that have more of a goods kind of profile um you know it's it's, it's a really beautiful business to be in because a lot of there's just been a natural migration year, year over year from folks that were doing services themselves to having folks doing things for them. Uh, and we're benefiting from that natural migration of people that used to wash in their driveway that uh, didn't have an hour to do that anymore and they want someone to do it for them. And uh, what has changed the game for us and, and quite frankly, the way that we've you know evolved as a company and transformed this company is that midway through our journey, Uh, We discovered the power of a subscription model uh, and offering our customers the opportunity to pay a flat monthly fee and wash as often as they like. And what we have done in that process is take what was a relatively infrequent service for the average American motorist and change their behavior. And if you can change behavior in consumer marketing and consumer services, I apologize for my Outlook beep there. Uh, but when you can change behavior in in how people consume your product and have them adopt it as part of the regular purchasing pattern, that's kind of the holy grail. So what what has happened is we've taken what was in our world a once a quarter kind of service, and now our members are washing almost once a week uh, because we've we've now encouraged them to keep their car clean, and once they get comfortable with this. Or, or, or they drive the joy of having their car clean all the time, for for a very good, va- excuse me, very good value. Um, uh, we have been able to lift that that value of that customer by uh, close to six x.
2: It is interesting that what people spend on their cars and the maintenance of their cars. I've looked at other companies, Valvoline, we talked about on our show recently, um, showing fantastic growth in that segment of oil changes and so on and other sort of um, maintenance issues, regular maintenance issues for their cars and, and how those costs are going up. What has the inability of automakers to make new cars and the rising price of used cars that has been a result of that all relating to the supply chain uh, screw ups from, from the pandemic. What does that meant for your business?
3: Yeah. So if you zoom out for a second, just look at the U.S. car park and you know, roughly speaking, there's 285 million vehicles in, in America. And when people look at our category, technically, we're consumer discretionary. And when uh, in a consumer discretionary, I think there's always some questions around demand and how that demand is going to be impacted, particularly in a high Especially inflation. Especially with inflation
2: and fears exactly. of a recession. Yeah,
3: exactly. And and I guess those are fair concerns if the American budget is being uh, uh, squeezed and, and spread thinner. You know, are, if folks are starting to tighten their belt, particularly folks on the lower end of the, the income bracket, you know, will uh, car wash services, for example, be impacted? So with with gas prices, and you mentioned you're in California, the average price of, of a gallon of gas is north of six bucks. U.S. average is five bucks. We're kind of in unprecedented times right now. Uh, but when you look at just the uh, the your automotive budget and what one typically spends for uh, getting from point A to point B, You know there's the car payment there's insurance there's gas there's maintenance and then there's this kind of discretionary nice to have uh car wash and and um if you had choices on where you should spend your money and you're making hard choices is a car wash going to be one of those things that you dial back and cut back on Uh, we haven't seen that in this current environment and we believe it it speaks to the joy and and the uh pleasure that people drive from taking care of their assets and uh, the feel good experience that they have. It's joy. joy. Isn't it's joy a
2: little strong? I like so, a car wash, but joy. I'm yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a regular yeah. car washing guy. take the car to the wash every, basically every week because I get an right. old car that looks a lot better when it's clean, but joy.
3: Yeah. So, so a, a, skept, a skeptic or a cynic would say, isn't this a utilitarian kind of, you know, taking the dirt off of your car. If you think about it, um, getting from point A to point B, there's no having a clean cars and doesn't help you achieve that objective. So why do people do it? There's an emotive component to wanting to be on top of your game. Uh, you know, wear clean clothes, have a clean kitchen, but also your vehicle. Is an expression of yourself in a lot of ways for many Americans. For some, it's just transportation, but for the bulk, there's an aspirational, there's a trade-up component in why people drive fancy vehicles. If it was purely just transportation, we'd all be driving Yugos, Uh, but why people trade up and want to um, have fancy leather and a fancy stereo system. You know, there's a car culture in America, and and joy that people drive from derive from driving Um, and to that end uh, if this is an asset and it's a meaningful asset to them and for many americans it's their second most valuable asset uh, next to their home Um, They want to keep it clean and they want to feel good about it and and we see it every day We are delivering happiness that might sound a little corny to you But we are and our customers leave our but so when you're fixing your transmission and if that transmission costs you North of 500 bucks, you're not jumping up and down cutting that check But you have to you're not jumping up and down when you fill up your tank and it's 60 80 dollars to fill it up But when you leave mr Car wash you've got a big smile on your face because you feel like you're on top of your business
2: Interesting interesting. Um, I'll give you that um, the sub- decision to go to subscriptions is a very interesting mm-hmm. one. Um, that must have been uh, surely you tested it, but but that must have that, that, that requires quite a leap of faith. Concerned that the people start showing up every day, radical. Maybe yeah. bringing in every car, in their neighbors' cars. I don't know. What talking about the, how how you worked through that logic?
3: It, it was um, the internal resistance within our organization was intense. Uh, because of that very fear of the unknown, how are people going to behave? Um, and uh, I, I use a really simple example of an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet, where you know if people um, went up and ate twenty plates, you know there's a cost of goods, and, and over time uh, a customer can become unprofitable. But if you look at how people normally behave. You know, maybe after that second plate you know 95 percent of your customers are going to say okay i've had enough and this could be one table that goes crazy and you may lose money on that one table and when we look at our business um, over time and we have now north of 1.8 million unique members uh, the bulk of those members come in uh, about once a week um, and we certainly have some outliers that come in more frequently than that um, and that's fine. And that's offset by the, the less frequent customers. Um, so it, it is a highly profitable program, very accretive. And uh, it's, it's it changed the game. 65% of our revenues now are subscription. It's predictable. It's recurring um, and it's uh, high margin. And when you can uh, deliver that level of predictability from if you're an investor and, and knowing that um, you have this consistent cash flow, Uh, Yeah. It's a beautiful thing.
2: It helps with expansion plans, I would imagine.
3: For sure. So what we're doing right now is we increase our footprint and continue to grow and look at the uh, close to 70 MSAs that we're in today in 21 states. Uh, We have approximately about a 20% market share in each of those markets. And in most of those markets, uh, that's a number one position. Um, But we have certain markets where we enjoy north of a 50% market share. And in those markets, we do particularly well. And so we have elevated AUVs and we believe there's a network effect. There's a benefit to you as a consumer, a member specifically, where you have the option to wash wherever you are in the city. And so if you're in Salt Lake City and we have 15 locations within a 10 minute drive time of wherever you are in the city, there's a Mr. Car Wash available to you. And that that's a powerful value prop vis-a-vis uh, an independent operator that may have one or three stores.
2: Interesting. Um, you talked about this, this, you know, signing up these customers, taking them from paying for the wash to being a subscription. How long do they last as subscribers? Do you know yet? I mean, obviously you're making some decisions when it comes to um, how you account for it, but what are you seeing in terms of how long they last as a customer?
3: Yeah, well, so when we look at, at the membership length, There's an interesting phenomenon, I think, somewhat different than most subscription businesses where we have a retail component to our business where folks can come in and pay as they go. And so if we have churn in the traditional sense of people that drop out of the program in most other businesses, that's technically a lost customer in our world because we've made it so easy for them to sign up and so uh, easy for them as a result to cancel if they feel that they're not driving the same value of it. It's not like they're a lost customer, that they will then revert to pain as they go. Um, right. And and so a lost customer is not, a, by definition, a lost customer in our world. Um, but we are very focused on improving the member experience and increasing their engagement and aden- identifying folks that are more, most likely to attrit and do more to encourage them, quite frankly, to use it. And, and again, get into the pattern of washing once a week. And what we see over time is that people perhaps initially come in through what I call a value door where they'll do the calculus to say, well, if it's, and this is our price point, which has been the same price point since inception, for $19.99 a month, for 20 bucks a month, I can wash my car every day if I like, and that's, a, that's an extreme value. And when they do that math, they say, hey, if I'm paying today $8 or $10 for a regular retail wash, on the third visit i'm saving money uh or making or it's free and fourth visit it's extreme value and so that's the initial way people uh, say to themselves hey i think i'm going to sign up for this because it's i enjoy having a clean car the subscription is pretty easy there's no long-term contract there's no upfront membership fee and 20 bucks is is affordable to me Um, but then over time when they become accustomed to having that car clean all the time it's a fascinating phenomenon where you as a motorist see a slight bit of film on your hood from the outside you don't really notice that film but when you're driving you see it and then it just starts to drive you nuts and then God forbid there's a bug splat on your windshield and and I don't know I'm kind of a clean freak but when you have more than one spot on your windshield you want to get it off and and once you do you you're back in that groove but when your car is dirty you just don't feel right so we've we've I can say train people, but got people accustomed to how, and really transform the way that they care for the vehicle, and that, and that's awesome.
2: So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll re-ask the question: What do you mean you don't know? about me? clearly, I'm a neat freak. Look, you're seeing me, and as I broadcast here from my my home studio, it's uh, yeah, there's neatness. Um, you, uh, uh, my our, our our listeners can only imagine. Um, as but in terms of duration, though, so I, obviously you've got your customer acquisition costs. You get them, th- however you get them. Um, we can talk about our, that, but how our, long our, do you keep our,
3: them? Our, our CAC is actually zero. And the reason why okay. it's zero is that we're not uh, spending all money to bring in someone from the outside. We're taking our existing retail customers. And, and this you is transfer a Transfer them to the subscriptions. So, again, do you know yeah.
2: how long you keep them on average?
3: Absolutely, yes. Yeah, uh, anywhere from 13 to 15 months.
2: Uh, super interesting. Um, yeah. I, and I wish I was getting $10 car washes here in Northern California. That's not happening. Right. Uh, what's the big competition for you? So there's a ton of
3: really, really good regional operators that do a great job, and we have the utmost respect for them. Um, on a national level, it's still very fragmented industry um, with, with not a dominant national player. There's some super regional players that do really, really well. Uh, we, in the overall scheme of things, while we're the nation's largest car wash platform, we see ourselves as quite small. And and with 400 locations, our opportunity to scale and to continue on this trajectory and to grow, uh, both in our existing markets and some of the white space that's out there where we're not in today is right in front of us. And so it feels like a wide open field. And, and we guesstimate that we have less than a 5% U.S. Nas- national market share. Uh, which is tiny. And and so how high we can scale this company is yet to be determined. But we're on this, you know, very fast trajectory of trying to get there quicker. Uh, but we're not the only ones.
2: It's interesting that you've got software like margins, but it's probably easier to hire car washers than software programmers. Uh, th- there's
3: actually a war for talent at every level of this uh, uh, society. and, and, uh, finding good people is, I think, if you talk to you, know, you talk to CEOs all the time, um, it's all about people and talent. And I would say that for us, it's the differentiator. What we hear time and time again, and if you were to boil down our value prop, so quality. Not enough can be said about quality, but the best businesses usually offer really, really great quality. And then in our world, speed and the ability to execute quickly um is something that the cons- American consumer demands so you got to execute across those two fronts consistently across a geographically spread out and a uh, uh, very diverse uh, uh portfolio of stores um where we you know separate from the pack is on the customer service side so we embrace you know theories of terms like hospitality and and you know treating our guests as if they're you know honored members of our family but but getting seven thousand employees to deliver this elevated level of customer service um, doesn't happen overnight and so we're, we're very culture driven and we feel uh, that a happy uh, highly engaged uh, uh, team member delivers a, an exceptional experience to the customer and there's that virtuous cycle so what do we do to take care of our team members we start with paying them well and treating them well training them well offering career path progression and again, the best companies in our view, focus on their people first and put their people at the center of their universe. Uh, and that equates to, and and leads to a high, uh, high performance and high profitability.
2: Um, well, it's amazing profitability to be sure. Uh, what a fascinating company. Mr. Carwash is John Lai is the CEO, uh, of Mr. Carwash. My last piece of advice for you, John is you, I think you should have the power vested in you. To give someone the title of Mister Car Wash of the Month and just walk around with like a like a sword or like a big sponge and tap them on the shoulder and I I dub the Mister Car Wash for the month of September two thousand twenty two. I, I love that's it. just I love my it. I just think that that would be a wonderful that's just me. I love it. We'll okay. do that and uh, that's there's a that's reason a, I'm that, running running a, a podcast business not a that, car, that, car wash that, business. Job. A, Thank, that, you that, Thank you very much. Thank you for doing podcasts. Now coming up we've got one number that tells us a whole lot about how many cars these guys wash annually. Uh, it is a big number. We'll tell you that number
0: when the drill down continues. The drill down is brought to you by Era. With Era, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's Era. A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you can listen to this, the drill down podcast with ease, even more easily than I
2: can say it, by going to your smart speaker and saying, hey, smart speaker, play the latest drill down podcast. You're here, our most recent show,
0: and let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod, and connect with us directly at our website, Bizpod.net. Are right,
2: you back to the Drill Down Podcast? We have the Drill Down Bite. That one number, Isaac, that tells us a whole lot. How many cars do you think? we well, you know, with 758 million dollars in annual revenues, how many cars do you think they wash? Annually,
0: you know this is tough because so three hundred thirteen I, locations. I, I yeah, I just know I've never seen a location. I've never seen a Mister Car Wash, so it's kind of difficult. But I know I can see the numbers. How You've well the car going. wash before? So I cars go in, they pay some money, they go out. Of course, I live in L.A. So I would guess how many cars do they wash a year? Was that your question? So there's
2: three hundred thirteen locations at the end of last year. Those are their express okay. exterior locations, interior locations. They're just
0: eighty-three. So you figure three hundred and thirteen locations. I'm horrible at math, but let's let's say let's say um, five hundred thousand cars. Uh, oh, significantly more. It's in the millions. Oh. How about five million cars?
2: So the answer is seventy-five million cars were washed in. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh seventy-five million cars. So that oh, averages about wow. less than you know about a quarter million a little less than a quarter million per store if you will every wow. year wow yeah
0: and these guys are making money hand over fist
2: uh, it's a fascinating business uh, and again those ebitda yeah. margins that he talked
0: about um, are fascinating to to see listen when i first i got to admit when i first reached out to this company i They came on my radar. I saw their earnings release a couple months ago. I think we've been, I've been talking to them for maybe three months at this point. I saw their their earnings release. There was something that caught my eye. Then I looked up their stock chart and saw the numbers they're working with. And I was like blown away. I thought that my eyes had glazed over, like crossed, or like I'd lost all my senses because I just didn't understand how a car wash company did so well. It's,
2: uh, it blows my mind. I'm doing some more math. I do about, you know, less than 5,000, about 5,000 car washes, not quite 5,000 car washes per store per month. Damn. I said per week, excuse me. Can we me, say 5,000 per week. It's a lot of washing. A lot of um, dirty cars. I'm all for it. I, I, you know, I pushed back a little yeah. bit of his notion that it was a joy that they deliver joy, but I have to say when I take my old car that is going from being old to classic, I don't know what point that happens. But when I, when I take it through the car wash, it is a very different looking old piece of junk.
0: It's not a piece of junk. They oh, I love, love getting car. my car washed. Oh, it is a joy for me. Um, you know, I, I'll have to check. I'm going to have to seek out that's one That's because you LA people watches. don't
2: I've I've actually drive one.
0: anywhere. You just go to the 405 and sit and stare at everybody else's car. Well, you, well, it's a par- the 405 is a parking lot, so you, that's all you can do. You yeah, can't really drive. Can. That traffic jam.
2: All right, you've been listening to the Drill Down Podcast. We're grateful for your time. Maybe you're listening while you're in your car right now. I strongly advise that. Maybe you're at the car wash, but get out of the car wash so you don't get wet. Wait before it goes through the machines. advice, free advice. I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster oh, what is wonderful our... advice
0: you give. <laughs>
2: Isaac Webster is our executive producer. Wow. Our editor extraordinaire Ben Wilson is on the on the mics, on the turntables for us. The Drill Downs of Production of the Business Podcast Network.